Welcome to the Firefighting Female. My name is Rhonda Cohen. I'm a Master Firefighter EMT at the Wheaton Volunteer Rescue Squad in Montgomery County, Maryland. I'm also a registered dietitian with a license in sports nutrition. So I want to bring to you very updated, relevant, educational, and entertaining material. It's not only classes that make a good first responder firefighter EMT, it's experience. And I feel that with the experience that I've had with the calls that I've run, plus my chosen career path, I can help round out many things in fire and rescue, and not just to educate women and empower them, but also to help the newcomers, the men, people that want to hear advice. So I love to educate. I've been doing this now for 35 years, and I have loved almost every second of it. But we're going to talk about it all, openly, honestly, and realistically. Hi, welcome to the first podcast of the Firefighting Female. My name is Rhonda Cohen. I'm a Master Firefighter EMT at the Wheaton Volunteer Rescue Squad in Montgomery County, Maryland. I'm also a registered dietitian with a license in sports nutrition. I realize there are many podcasts out there and your time is valuable. So I want to bring to you very updated, relevant, educational, and entertaining material. So today I want to talk about my background so you'll understand who I am and how I came to be to this point in time in my life to do this podcast. I started as a volunteer firefighter back in the 80s. And when I started, there really were not a lot of female firefighters in Montgomery County, Maryland. In fact, when I went to apply to become a member of our station, they asked me if I was there to join the ladies auxiliary. And I said, no, I told them, I said, hey, listen, my mom and I were at Wheaton Plaza, our local mall, where we saw an ambulance on display. And there were a couple of members of the Wheaton Rescue Squad there doing blood pressure screens, letting the kids climb in the apparatus, talking about what they do, showing all of the things that they use on calls. And I quickly became very enamored by everything. And it became an obsession. I told my mom, listen, this is what I want to do. And she said, well, you're 15 years old. You can't do this right now. So I waited and I waited and I found out you could be 16 to start. And I was counting down the months. And at 15 and 11 months is actually when I went in to fill out the application. And the funniest thing back then was we now have a very advanced system for physicals and entry level exams to get into fire and rescue. And back then I went to the coroner's office for my physical. And all I had to do was get my height and weight and my blood pressure. He asked if I could provide a urine sample, which I couldn't do at the time. He said, oh, it's okay. You're young. I'm sure you're fine. And off I went. My application was approved to actually be part of Wheaton Volunteer Rescue Squad, not the ladies auxiliary or the canteen unit. My first day came. I went in and I was very nervous because here I was very young, very naive and having no idea what this really entailed. All I knew was what I saw at Wheaton Plaza was what I knew I wanted to do. So I sat down at the kitchen table. I didn't really communicate because I didn't know anybody. I was very shy at the time. And I listened and I learned. I remember being paired up with another EMT and we went out and checked out the ambulance. And I said, oh, wow, this is cool, but I really want to ride that big truck in the middle. That was our heavy rescue squad. And they laughed and they said, women do not ride the rescue squad. Actually, it was girls do not ride the rescue squad. 
And I thought to myself, hmm, I'm going to prove them wrong. I don't know how, but I'm going to prove them wrong. So it was time for me to get my uniform. And we went into the back storage area where all the uniforms were kept. And they were all men's sizes. So they asked, what size uniform do you wear? And I said, well, I have no idea. I wear a size eight in clothes. And they said, well, what does that mean? I got my uniform. Of course, it didn't fit very well, but I made it work. I was so proud to wear that uniform. I finally felt like I belonged in this unit. I belonged in this rescue squad and things were going to go great. The weeks and the months went by and it worked in my favor that I was younger because at that point in time, you couldn't take EMT until you were 18 years of age. I learned how to do skills for the medic unit and I spent a lot of time on the medic unit and I kept pushing my interest. I want to ride that big squad truck. I want to learn how to do it. It's a toolbox on wheels. How cool. And they said, well, if you can lift these tools, maybe we'll let you ride along. Well, I lifted them. It was not easy, but I did not let them know I was struggling. I lifted those tools the best I could. Felt that twinge in my back, but I kept on going. I was going to prove myself. So finally they said, all right, she really means it. So they said to me, listen, if you take fire one, which is what our class was called at the time in Montgomery County and practical rescue makes sense. We're a rescue squad. Then you can ride the squad truck. I said, okay. So I signed up for fire one and another woman from the rescue squad took the class with me. And there was two other females from other stations in my class. One dropped out immediately, but we pushed our way through. I was determined no matter how hard this was, because all of this was brand new to me. I had never worn the gear. I had never put on a CBA. I had never worn a helmet, which of course fell off five times on day one until I realized how to coordinate that and put the strap on correctly. I was not going to let anybody see any weaknesses. I was going to do this and I did it. I didn't do it well, but I did it. And I struggled every step of the way. And it was interesting. The men at first were very willing to help. Let me grab that for you. Let me carry that for you. And at first I thought, okay, well, this is wonderful. And then I thought to myself, wait, do it yourself. Don't accept any help except for when obviously we're doing evolutions that require, you know, two or more people to do something. But I really wanted to learn. I wanted to be proficient. I wanted to be good at what I was learning how to do. And I made it through. Now, passing grade was 70, and I admit I got a 73, but you know what? Nobody knows I got a 73 until now when I told you all. I still passed. So it was time to take practical rescue, and that was a whole different ball game. I learned how to tie a lot of different knots. We did a lot of evolutions with extrication. We did some really interesting things, and I was hooked at this point in time, and I loved it. And my family thought I was crazy. They said, what did you do today? And I said, well, we rappelled out of a window in the burn building and I tied a rescue knot and I put it around myself and I pretty much just sat on the edge and kind of leaned over. And they said, why would you do this? And I said, because I love it. I absolutely love it. This is what I'm meant to do. So I passed practical rescue with an 86. I was very proud of myself because that's a big step up for my fire one. And I came back to the station and I said, you guys, I did it. And they said, did what? And I said, I've completed my qualifications. I did fire one. I did practical rescue. And they said, well, you know, maybe you should take fire two and fire three. And I said, you've got to be kidding me. And they said, well, you know, you really want to do well and we all have it. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't, I don't know. But they said, you have to take that. 
I said, okay. But they let me ride along on the squad and that really gave me a big taste of it. And I think the first call, it was actually the second call we ran was pin job on the beltway. And again, it was just another eye opener for me. This is what I want to do. This is so cool. It's the coolest thing on earth. And here I am, this youngster doing, well, observing at the time, these great things. So I did it. I signed up. I took fire two. I took fire three. And guess what? I had to take pumps and hydraulics, but we are a rescue squad. We don't even have a wagon. But I took it anyway. I went to our neighboring station. And that was great because now I've become friends with more and more people in our neighboring stations. And they're seeing that I'm serious. I took every class that our Fire and Rescue Academy had to offer at the time. And they let me start checking out the unit learning familiarization of where the equipment is kept. And one day my chief called me upstairs and I'm thinking, oh, this cannot be good. And I'm a nervous wreck. And I go up there shaking and I'm like, yes, sir. And he said, sit down. He's being very serious. And he said, so tell me, how many classes have you taken at the academy? And I said, well, sir, I've taken nine. And he said, hmm. And he said, do you realize that you now have more classes than most of the people here that are officers? And he said, granted, you don't have the experience because I was riding a little bit. I was not riding a lot. He goes, so I'm going to make you a night crew officer. Now, I was not the only night crew officer. Don't get nervous. There was a lieutenant and the lieutenant was very proficient, but he made me a sergeant. I remember getting my white shirt, walking downstairs, thinking I was something else. And they knocked me down in two seconds. And I learned it's not only classes that make a good first responder, firefighter, EMT. It's experience. You learn the basics, but you learn the rest from the calls you run and from each other because everything we do is different. So you have to be able to think outside the box. It's not just black and white as we know. You've got to see the red as well. And I tried my best to go on every call. I was there six nights a week. I felt bad if I missed any call because I wanted to learn and I wanted to see. And I got more and more proficient with my skills. And other people started to see this. I will never forget how good I felt on one house fire when I got off the unit. We got into the building and I heard somebody, they could read our names on the back of our gear, said, hey, Cohen's here. Everything's going to be okay. And I felt so good on the inside, like maybe now everything that I've been working for is paying off because now I'm being recognized as somebody that is there to perform, not somebody that is there just to, you know, have something to do maybe as a stepping stone for a career. Not that that's a bad thing, but this is where I wanted to be and this is what I wanted to do. And I wanted to show proficiency. I just kept on going. I kept on going. I ran some great calls, but the problem was they really didn't train me well. And I say they, meaning other officers on the crew, to a point where I remember my very first working fire, I got off the apparatus and thinking, okay, I know what to do from class, but they're not doing what we did in class. What do I do? And a friend of mine from our neighboring engine company said, girl, what are you doing? And I said, well, I haven't really got the faintest idea. He said, well, come with me. My very first fire, we fell through the floor of, actually we fell through the ceiling and into the first floor of a, uh, we call them garden apartments. And I said, okay, this is not for me. I've changed my mind. I don't want to do this anymore. This was too scary. He said, come on, you're fine. We kept it moving. Of course, my gear didn't fit. I remember I had a hard time climbing steps because basically the crotch was really down to my kneecaps. It just never fit right. Now, of course, gear has changed and things are more adaptable for females in the fire service. But back then, 
I was making do and I was making it work. So I loved also community outreach because for me, it was such a feeling of satisfaction when people would see me jump off apparatus, whether it be the ambulance, the medic unit or the squad and say, oh, look, it's a girl. And I would talk to children. We would read stories. We would open up all of the doors on the apparatus and let the children see what we do, what we use, climb on the apparatus, taking tools out and holding them in my hand while a child held underneath and I would say, feel how heavy this is. And of course, they didn't really lift the weight, but they felt how heavy things were. And I felt like I was on top of my game and things were great. So the next step came. I want to drive that squad. So at the time, there were two other women at my station that were also in driver training. And I just remember going up to the person that was in charge of the apparatus committee saying, hey, Sarge, I want to drive the squad. And he shook his head and walked away. I said, well, what does that mean? Come on, can we start? And he laughed. He said, come up Saturday and we'll do the cone course and see how it goes. Well, guess what? It didn't go well. Funny thing is I can drive backwards better than I can drive forwards. I don't know. Still to this day, I feel the same way. But again, this is not going to get me. I'm going to drive this piece of apparatus and I'm going to do it well. Finally, I mastered the cone course and off we went. And as a joke, he put on a motorcycle helmet Then he put his fire helmet on top of that. Then he said, I'm going to duct tape myself to the seat. There's not enough support here for me in case we fly through the window. And I said, have a little faith. So we drove. I was a little heavy on the brake, of course, not used to driving something so big. And where we are in Wheaton and Montgomery County on Georgia Avenue, coming right out of our station, the lanes are tight. And I was a nervous wreck. I had white knuckles by the time we got to the first stoplight. I was holding that steering wheel so tight. I accidentally hit the siren with my foot. It was a mess, but I did it. And I came back and I'm thinking, maybe this is not for me. I'm not doing this well. I said, I'm going to keep on going. So I purposely tried to drive at night when there were not a lot of cars on the road. But of course, to become a driver, you have to do it in the sunshine, in the rain, any other inclement weather that may come along, daytime, afternoon, nighttime, everything. And I did it. So now I was the Tuesday crew sergeant and the squad driver. And I loved it. And I felt great. I felt confident. And I loved when new females would come and join our station. They had no idea who we were. They were brand new and a call would go out and they would see me jump into the front seat of the squad, turn it on and off we'd go, lights and sirens. And I'd come back and they'd say, oh, wow, you can drive that. And I said, I can. And I love it. 30 years later, time has gone by and I have never gone the career route. I've remained a volunteer. I now, as a dietitian, love to educate people on improving health and wellness I am a competitive power lifter. Actually, I should say I was a competitive power lifter. So I incorporate strength training, uh, functional resiliency, endurance. I put it all together and I try to make a complete package, not just to educate women and empower them, but also to help the newcomers, the men, people that want to hear advice. So I love to educate. And I feel that with the experience that I've had with the calls that I've run, plus my chosen career path, I can help round out many things in fire and rescue. And that's what I've been doing and really enjoy now lecturing. um, And I don't say lecture, I call it open discussion because lecturing is boring. And you learn so much from talking with other people and hearing their experiences that now in my career path and owning a home, it's hard sometimes to always commit to being 
on a specific duty crew as a life member at our station after serving 10 years. You can choose to remain on a crew in full, full duty, or you can choose when you want to go. And for a very long time, I was there six nights a week for about the first 15 years. And then the next five years, maybe I was there four nights a week and then three nights, two nights. And now I continue to serve on our board of directors, continue to educate, continue to go in when I can. Um, I don't write as many calls as I certainly would like to anymore. That has definitely slowed down, but I'm using my knowledge to continue to support and educate other firefighters that come along. And I absolutely love it and enjoy it. So I feel for everybody out there, if this is what you feel is your chosen path, try it and push through it all. It's not going to be easy. No matter who you are in your experience, I find a lot of people in the military may choose the fire and rescue service. A lot of athletes that were doing things in high school and college may choose the fire and rescue service. And that's great. But there are certain things that require different muscle groups to be used. And so we all learn and we develop together. And it's a constant process of evolution. There's always something more to learn. And I also found for myself that branching out and trying different things not only did I learn what I love, but I also learned things that I definitely don't want to do. Um, hazmat is not my thing. I did try. I took the hazmat class and I, you know, was trying to be proficient, but realized, you know, this is not, not my big interest. So it's learning those things about yourself and becoming very good at what you do to enjoy, whether it be your career or your volunteer time. I've been doing this now for 35 years and I have loved almost every second of it. The hard times, the easy times, the fun times. I say that my station is the family that I chose. Montgomery County Fire and Rescue is my family that I chose. And we've bonded through the experiences that we've had, good, bad, and indifferent. And we understand each other. So sometimes in the public, I forget I'm not at the firehouse. And I may say something inappropriate. We've all been there, I'm sure. And then I say out loud, oh, I'm so sorry. This isn't the firehouse you people wouldn't understand. And it really is. It's a culture. It's a bond. It's a family that only we know about from being in it, from really just jumping in with both feet. So whether you are in the service for one day, one year, 10 years, an entire career, it's life altering. It's satisfying. It's the best thing I've ever done. And I am so grateful for everybody that has taught me, for every person that I can teach. And I thank each and every one of you for listening to this podcast. In the future, I want to talk about anything. Um, eventually, I will have people being able to call in to talk about things that they want to hear about. So I do want to focus specifically on things for women, such as having a healthy baby in the fire service, nursing, going through menopause, how our bodies and our mindsets and our hormones are different, talking about how all of us can improve together physically and mentally, men and women, um, how you can go from recruit school to retirement safely and effectively, because of course the end goal is to have a happy, healthy retirement and be completely intact mentally and physically. Talk about PTSD, stress, anxiety, depression, you even bring up suicide because it's a reality. Focus on how to overcome challenges, how to talk about things that 
Maybe you don't want people to know, hey, I might be a type one diabetic. I might be a type two. I have to check my blood sugar. Maybe I have renal disease. Maybe I have cardiovascular disease, cancer. Go through ways to reduce risk for getting all of these diseases on the job. And if you come to the job with something, how to manage yourself on the job, because let's face it, there is no set schedule. You have no idea when the call or calls are going to come in. You may be at a station that runs back-to-back calls. You don't have time to eat three meals a day at 7, noon, and 6 p.m. So how to manage your nutrition, how to manage release of cortisol, which is a flight or fight stress hormone that can hold body fat. Our bodies are going to change. Our weight is going to change. How to accept aging, the different needs that we have as we age, the different needs we have depending upon what apparatus we run. Perhaps the ambulance runs 10 calls a day. The heavy rescue squad runs 18 calls a day, but the chase car runs two. Well, you don't always want to stuff yourself with a big meal because guess what? As soon as you take that last bite, you may be going to a three alarm fire. We may have all been there. It doesn't feel good when you have a full belly putting on that mask. And believe it or not, I have seen many throw up in their masks. I'm sure you've experienced that as well. But we're going to talk about it all openly, honestly, and realistically. So I thank everybody for listening to this and my background. I enjoyed speaking with you. And until we meet again, please stay safe. Take care of yourself. Take care of each other. And most of all, thank you so much for your continued dedication and commitment to the community that you serve. Take care.